This episode of Online Marketing Best Practices is brought to you by Bing Ads. Use the power of Bing Network's 161 million unique searchers to put your business in front of customers searching for your product or service. Sign up or expand your reach today at bingads.microsoft.com. Ever write an ad or promotion that your landing page can't cache? You can see what the top 10 pages are on your website, but should they have been the top 10 pages on your website? Google's solution to this problem of negative SEO and bad links coming into a site was the disavow tool. Welcome to the OMCP Online Marketing Best Practices Podcast where top authors and industry leaders share authoritative best practices in online marketing. All right, welcome back to the OMCP studio, and with us today is Greg Jarbeau, publisher, author, columnist, speaker, instructor at Market Motive and at Rutgers University, and president of SEOPR. Greg is a master of video marketing and content marketing practices, teaching these to some of the largest brands in the world. I'm your host, Michael Stebbins, and today we'll be discussing Content Marketing Strategies for Video Sharing Channels. Greg, welcome to the OMCP Best Practices Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Not a problem, Michael. I mean, you asked, I came. It's not not a big deal. I love it. And boy, you and I have worked together for over a decade and taught together a few times. I've seen you at the podium as an authority at industry conferences for years. But in this session, we're going to get down to the best practices for video sharing, specifically for YouTube. So before we get started, for those few who haven't read your books or attended your classes or heard you speak, tell our audience who you are and what is it that you do? Well, uh, so the full name is Gregory Michael Jarbo, but the only one who uses that was my mother, and so if you use the whole name, I know I'm in trouble. So Get your attention there. Yeah, most people just call me Greg Jarbo, and I'm the president and co-founder of uh, SEOPR. We started that company back in 2003, and I write a weekly column for Tubular Insights, which is formerly known as Real SEO, and uh, uh, the latest post just went up today. It's called How Brands Can Make the Most Out of Christmas Video Marketing. Uh, I also write for a couple of other blogs. Uh, one is the Sem Post, and the other one is called Inked. I'm an instructor at the Rutgers Business School Executive Education Program. Um, I'm the Video and Content Marketing Faculty Chair at Simply Learn. And I recently spoke at uh, Vid Summit. 2016 in Los Angeles, and my presentation there was entitled Schmooze Optimization, How It Increases Views, Improves Engagement, and Boosts Earnings. Sometimes the schmooze is what it takes. Well, schmoozing hasn't gone out of fashion. There's a whole lot of new technology that's come along, but schmoozing actually hasn't been replaced. And a lot of traditional marketing actually applies to today's marketing and you and Matt Bailey and others are the people who are making people realize that. So in your work, I know you've helped countless businesses set up a strategy for content and video marketing, and you're considered an authority on the process, like it or not, Greg. So outline the best practices and steps for us, and then we'll walk through them one by one. Okie doke. Um, Here's here's the uh, thing that puzzles people, but let me try to I'm going to oversimplify it, but frankly, it it will put a whole lot of other things into perspective. So um, video sharing has grown in popularity over the last 10 years. 
and a few key players have really emerged to sort of in the space. Now, uh, each one has its own best practices and platform capabilities. In other words, what you do on, let's say, YouTube isn't necessarily going to work for you on, let's say, Facebook video or Instagram video or Snapchat or anywhere else. So in this particular podcast, let's just take a look at the best practices uh, for one of those channels. It's been the leading channel for a decade. It's called YouTube. And YouTube is weird. YouTube is both the world's second largest search engine behind only Google. In other words, there's more searches done on YouTube each month than are done on Bing or Yahoo or Baidu or you name it. But YouTube is also the world's second largest social media. It's behind Facebook. It's way ahead of uh, Instagram or Twitter or, uh, you know, any, any of the other social media platforms. And because it is both a search engine and a social media site, the search side can help you discover a video and then you watch it. And then sometimes you decide, wow, that's a really great one. I think I'm going to share it with people. So best practices for a site that... Uh, it can be used both for discovery as well as for sharing uh, is what makes uh, YouTube particularly interesting. So um, the best practices that I'm going to share with you today fall into both of those categories. And for those who are studying for the exam, a lot of the standard for OMCP came from Greg's original courses and from his book. We're going to try to categorize those into the steps for the competency standards, which include optimizing for discovery, optimizing for watch time, optimizing for sharing, and deploying tools and practices to interact with your target audience at scale. But there's three more. Identifying the right influencers, finding the right engagement tactics, and measuring the performance of your programs. So winding all the way back to optimizing for discovery, Greg, walk us through what are the steps to get the most out of that? Well, finding videos in a YouTube search is similar but very different than, let's say, finding uh, content in a Google search. And so uh, early on, YouTube had to struggle with, uh, if somebody is looking for a relevant video, how do we do that? Well, one of the things that uh, YouTube does very differently than, let's say, Google, is they put a lot more emphasis on metadata. Now, metadata for YouTube means your title, your tags, and your video descriptions. And if you want them found in YouTube search, you need to do your keyword research. Um, and then you need to make sure that your title tags and uh, descriptions are optimized. And, and let me just focus on one of those descriptions, which is the thing people overlook the most. In YouTube, a description can be up to 5,000 characters long. It's like somewhere north of 800 words, depending on the length of the word that you're using. But think about that for a second. That is a long description. Most people put up a video with maybe a sentence or two, and they call it a day. And it turns out they're basically leaving keywords on the table. If you can write a long description, and it can be anything from a transcript of what's being said in the video to uh, more background information about um, what the video is, uh, is discussing, all those words can help that video get uh, discovered in a relevant search. Now, the second thing you have to do beyond getting your metadata in shape is you have to be really careful about what your thumbnail is that you select 
um, that is presented in those search results. In the old days, YouTube would give you three random images and you would just pick one. Today, you actually can create a customized video thumbnail. And I encourage people to do that because we have seen that that little picture that is next to your title uh, in the search results can encourage people to click on you instead of the listing ahead of you or behind you. So pay attention to it. You want to include a few uh, well-placed annotations or cards uh, on your video. Now, cards is the newer technology. It's like deck of cards, C-A-R-D-S. It's replacing annotations. But basically, this is text that you put on top of the video after you've uploaded it. And it can do anything from, say, you know, watch my next video on this to let's go visit my website uh, or this particular landing page on my website over there. So the words in your annotation or cards can also be uh, uh, optimized. Uh, you can use playlists. Now, playlists can take an existing group of videos. So let's say you've created half a dozen videos on a particular theme. You can put them together in a playlist and then give that playlist a title, give that playlist a description, and that title and description can also be optimized. And guess what? When someone does a search in YouTube, not only do, quote, individual videos come up in the results, but playlists can come up in results. And if someone starts watching your playlist, they don't watch just one of your videos. They may watch several, including all six of them that you've sort of packaged together. So you get uh, you get more uh, uh, benefit uh, by uh, creating uh, playlists and optimizing them. And then last but not least, you can optimize your channel. And what does that mean? Well, um, your channel name has probably already been selected, so, you know, you can't change that, but you can certainly change the description of your channel, and that can include uh, relevant keywords. And guess what? Channels come up in search results on YouTube along with playlists and individual videos. So all of those can be optimized. Now, this doesn't actually help you in the optimization uh, part of the things, but one of the other things, since we're talking about channels for a second, that you can do is you can select other channels to be featured on your channel. That's sort of off to the right rail. But guess what? That is a great way to make friends in the YouTube environment. And sometimes those friends will, you know, say, hey, you know, so-and-so included me as one of their featured channels. Maybe I should include them too. And that can send traffic back and forth. And that's a huge benefit, even if it's not necessarily an optimization tactic. I think it qualifies, <clears throat> Greg. It's just being friendly, and sometimes people are friendly back. It actually sends traffic. That does boost discovery. Yep. And once we're discovered, folks are getting in our channel. The next thing is, what do we do to keep them glued to the video? How do we change our watch time? Well, one of the interesting things that YouTube does from time to time is they change their algorithm, just like Google does. And the most recent change uh, that basically changed everything that we used to do is this emphasis on watch time. Watch time is now uh, the most important part of the YouTube algorithm. And what is watch time? It no longer takes a look at, did you view the video? Because what's a view? If you watched it for three seconds, is that a view? If you watched it for 15 seconds, is that a view? What about 30 seconds? Is that a view? 
So what watch time does is look at how long you watch the video. And then it goes beyond that to say, oh, by the way, when you finished watching this video, did you go and watch other videos either on your channel or somewhere out there uh, uh, on YouTube as well? So they'll look at a session watch time as well. And that is not something that keyword research will help you with. What you really want to do to optimize your uh, watch time is, first of all, create a compelling opening to your video. You, you don't want people popping out of there after a few seconds saying, ugh, this is corporate propaganda. I don't want to watch that. That will kill your watch time faster than anything else I can think of. Secondly, uh, it comes down to effective video editing. You know, are you going to hold that audience uh, and have them watch all the way through to the end? Now, this is where you can also use annotations or links because you can put those uh, on top of, let's say, parts of the video where you can say, hey, look, you know, there's more coming. Stay tuned, you know, um, you know, keep people engaged. Um, one of the interesting things that you've got to think about twice is uh, I mentioned earlier that you can link to, let's say, your website. Well, if you link people to your website, then guess what? Your YouTube session just ended. And so it may have a perfectly good marketing goal, and you may want to do it. But you need to also then sort of weigh that against the, okay, but it's going to have a negative impact on my watch time. So let's use this judiciously. Let's send people to, you know, my website or basically in the watch time um, only when I have a really high likelihood of uh, converting that person. Um, you want to build your subscriber base. Why? These are loyal viewers. And basically, uh, a subscriber is notified you've got a new video up they may want to watch. That's a great way to increase your watch time. Loyal subscribers um, can get you farther faster than anything else I can think of. To the extent that you can, you can involve your audience in your videos by encouraging them to, them to comment or to interact uh, with you. Um, and you should interact with them. Um, I can't tell you how many people just upload a video and walk away thinking they're done. They're not. Hang around for the next 15 to 20 minutes because interacting with some of your first commenters uh, shows people that you care about what they think and uh, it encourages other people to comment. That's, that, that is a great best, best practice. And commenting actually draws out the viewing. Is that just because it has increased interest or it shows uh, credibility in the video? What, what pulls people in? Well, uh, among the other elements of the YouTube algorithm is engagement. And so YouTube will look at how many comments that you get. They will look at how many times your video gets liked, how many times your video gets shared, how many times watching a video leads to, let's say, someone to subscribe to your channel. All of those are signals to YouTube that this was an engaging video. And that's another ranking uh, um, boost in the algorithm. So, so uh, again, you know, uh, to the extent that you can interact with folks because uh, uh, it, it's a good community practice, but it's also good for the uh, YouTube algorithm. And then again, creating playlists is a great watch time uh, optimization tip. Um, and um, one last idea uh, that, that I'll share is this. 
if you can create a schedule i'm going to upload a new video every you know pick it wednesday afternoon and stick to that schedule and let people know by the way new videos are uploaded here every wednesday afternoon give people reason to come back and by the way when people come back one of the other elements of the watch time uh, algorithm is are you the first place they go to in youtube before then they go and watch videos uh, somewhere else on the channel and so being that entry point uh, gets rewarded so uh, uh, to the extent that you can create subscribers do that to the extent that you become the first thing that they're doing uh, to get into the YouTube ecosystem uh, you get rewarded for that too. Greg one of the things that really helps us get our videos into the right hands is having it amplified or having other people share it can you walk us through some of the best practices for optimizing for sharing? I can, and they have uh, shifted dramatically over the years. I mean, think about this. When YouTube first came out, the, the biggest social media out there was MySpace. So, you know, surprise, surprise, things change. And then for a lot of years, uh, uh, the biggest place where most videos got shared was uh, oh, Facebook. And now Facebook is competing with YouTube with uh, Facebook videos. So one of the things that uh, you're going to want to do one of the uh, the tactics that uh, you, you, you're, you're going to want to take advantage of is uh, the community that is on YouTube already. And so there's a whole lot of new tools that you can take uh, advantage of, one of which can pin comments to the top of your feed. Um, you can also give hearts now to your favorite comments. You can, uh, uh, by signing in, y your username gets... Uh, highlighted in color so that people can see that you're interacting uh, with people. Uh, you can even choose a moderator if you can't do the commenting yourself, but you know you can officially select someone to, to have that uh, capability. And if you need to, you can uh, blacklist certain words or phrases if you, uh, let's say, are subject to uh, trolls or uh, hate speech. Uh, you can you can certainly clean that up uh, in ways that you couldn't in the old days. And you can um, actually hold potentially inappropriate com comments for review. Now, you're going to want to review them quickly because if they uh, merely say, you know what, uh, this video ran a little too long, that's okay. That's great feedback. You know, there's no reason to, quote, uh, try to censor all feedback uh, that's that's the wrong side signal to send but again you you be the the, the decider there uh, and take advantage of the community on youtube people forget it is a social medium it is a video sharing site and yes 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 you can certainly share it in a lot of other places including facebook and twitter and linkedin and pinterest and uh, reddit and you know you name it but uh, take advantage of the YouTube community first. And there's even a new uh, community tab on your YouTube channel. Uh, and even if you haven't uploaded a, a video today, you know, let's say you're only uploading every, let's say, Wednesday, use that community tab to uh, keep your community engaged and involved. You can, you can talk about somebody else's video. Hey, have you seen so-and-so's video? Uh, it's on a similar topic. 
Um, I found it, you know, uh, really compelling. Check it out. And again, you're making friends in the YouTube universe uh, and you're keeping your audience engaged even in between your own video uploads. And it comes back to engaging your colleagues as well. If we're talking to our colleagues and people see us as part of that conversation, they may want to check out our channel, our videos, and uh, feel comfortable sharing those. If people know that uh, Greg Jarbo and Michael have a good relationship in the online marketing world, they may check you out in that, uh, that relevancy and that authority can actually transfer. True, true, true. All right, so I know that we're going to get to how to identify influencers and some of the engagement tactics, but are you willing to take a little foray into talking about some of the tools that are available to help us target an audience? Yes, yes. There are a couple that we've used over the years. Um, unfortunately, there used to be some that YouTube made available, like uh, Fan Finder, and then when YouTube shut down, um, uh, not YouTube didn't shut it down, Google shut down, uh, Google Plus, uh, FanFinder went away too. So uh, the tools that we now use um, aren't found in YouTube. One of them is called Buzzsumo. It is, uh, uh, there's, there's a free version of it. There's also a, a subscription version of it that can help you identify people by topic. And um, you may want to let them know that your, you know, next new video is up if it's a relevant uh, topic. There's another tool that we've used a lot called Tracker, T-R-A-A-C-K-R. It's a different spelling uh, than most, but the company's based there in San Francisco. And uh, I like their tool because uh, they help define influence three different ways, not only by reach, you know, how big is that influencer's audience, but also by resonance, which is what kind of ripple effect does this influencer have? When they say something, do they get lots of comments, likes, and shares. And uh, third, by relevance. You know, nobody is an influencer on all topics. So which topics do they have influence in? And then last but not least, um, I've also been using uh, a tool from Tubular Labs for the last year, and it can help me identify video influencers, particularly on YouTube, but also on uh, Instagram. And any other ways that we can start identifying the right influencers to engage? Well, uh, again, who is right for you is going to be different than who may be right for somebody else. And so um, let me go back to that tracker criteria. You know, in, in my mind, I think they've got right defined correctly in that uh, it needs to have somebody who does have a big audience. I mean, in, in that sense, um, uh, micro-influencers are just that. They are influencing a really small audience, but there are a lot of times where it's really beneficial to influence macro-influencers. And um, to the extent that they're relevant, you know, that's... I can't tell you how many times where I'm, I'm pitching a story and someone says, have you ever read what I do? Uh, have you ever watched uh, what I uh, publish? Because this is totally off topic. So, you know, relevance is huge. And uh, last but not least is resonance. You know, there are a lot of people who think they should be an influencer. Um, and let me get, give you an example. Kim Kardashian, like just give her $10,000 and she will tweet about anything. Why? Because she's an influencer. 
does anybody pay attention to what she tweets? Does it actually uh, move the needle for anyone? No, everyone knows she's for hire. So again, resonance is also an important criteria. So those are the right people to target. Now, once you've figured out who they are, there are things that you have to do uh, as a result. You need to be relevant. In other words, only pitch the right people at the right time. You need to give them some kind of value. In other words, don't waste your time telling them, hi, uh, we've just appointed a new um, director of marketing. It's like, excuse me, who cares? You know, maybe the director of marketing's brother-in-law, but frankly, that's not a big story everyone wants to uh, jump on. And last but not least, you have to be genuine. You need to be you. Do not fake who you are. Do not be, the, the term in the industry is called astroturf, which is, you know, this isn't a real grassroots movement. I'm pretending to be somebody I'm not. Um, I'm fake grassroots effort. Um, you know, there's just too much of that that has gone on. People see through it and it'll hurt you. It's a great way to burn a bridge too. I mean, you'll get discovered eventually, you know, if you uh, create false relevance, if you will. Yep. Yep. There, And there's a whole lot of those folks who, you know, created false relevancy up through, let's say the end of the election and are now being, you know, discovered. Well, okay. Ha ha ha. They fooled everyone through the election, but trust me, uh, never again, never again. They, they've, uh, They've uh, destroyed that tactic for a long, long time. It's a small, well-connected world. Um, the relationships run deep. So, Greg, once we've used tools and found our influencers and engaged them by being relevant, providing value, and being genuine, we need to measure, and I know you teach this, we need to measure the performance of our programs. What are some steps to make sure that we're measuring properly? Well... You know, the, the temptation is to use the measurement that the platform gives you. And so the first thing that YouTube made public, uh, you know, way back in 2005 when it was initially in beta was how many views did this video get? So everyone wants to say, how many views? Well, uh, riddle me this uh, question. How many views do you need to sell a car? Yeah, it's different for everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. In other words, views may be the metric that you are given easily. It's not necessarily a metric that matters. And again, even YouTube walked away from views as a metric and started using watch time because what is a view these days? I sense an analogy to measuring hits on a website. Oh, please. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, there's, uh, there's other ones in advertising uh, impressions, you know, or, or GRPs, or, you know, there's a lot of bogus metrics uh, running around out there. So the tool that I like actually uh, was suggested uh, by a friend of ours named Avinash Kaushik, and Avinash wrote a post that some people forget. Um, he, 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 he put this one up way back in 2011. And he deviated from his normal conventions at Occam's Razor, his blog, and said, normally I just, you know, blog about things that are real that you can do today. Instead, today I'm going to blog about what I would like to see. And he outlined the right way to measure social media. And then a little company came along called True Social Metrics and took Avinash's idea and built a tool. 
And what their tool does is they measure things that you may not have heard of, but they are the right things to measure. And don't take my word for it. Go back and read Avinash's original post. One of them is called the conversation rate. And what the heck is that? Well, it's not the number of comments that you got, per se. It's the percentage of views that then ended up generating a comment. In other words, what's that percentage rate? Because that's your conversation rate. And if you put up a video and nobody comments, excuse me, you didn't start any conversations, did you? And if you're not starting any conversations, excuse me, that's not social media. A second metric that he came up with is called amplification rate. And that's not just a measure of the total number of times your video gets shared, but again, it's a ratio. It's how many shares per view did I get? Not everyone who's gonna watch my video is gonna share it. What's that percentage? And then the third one is the applause rate, and that's the number of likes. Not how many likes, because too many people focus on that, but what's the percentage of views that then generated a like? And when you start looking at those three metrics, all of a sudden you now know whether your social media campaign has actually started creating a ripple. And then this wonderful little tool, social media uh, True Social Metrics, enables you to link to your Google Analytics. And if you've set the appropriate goals, whether they're macro goals or micro goals in Google Analytics, and there is any economic value attached to any one of those goals, they too can be integrated back into True Social Metrics. So you can see this video on that topic not only generated conversations and amplification and applause, it generated money. And that then allows you to have the metrics that you need that YouTube doesn't give you yet, that Facebook doesn't give you yet, that Twitter doesn't give you yet, but frankly, every marketer needs. Greg, thank you so much for walking us through this. I know that we focused mostly on uh, Google's YouTube as the largest video search engine out there. Some of these do apply to other platforms and some of them do not. But what we'll hope to do here, Greg, is if you're willing, we'll do a follow-up for some of the other video channels in a second podcast. Are you willing to do that with us? Absolutely, absolutely. And the good news is that True Social Metrics works across all of those. It'll work for YouTube. It'll work for Facebook. It'll work for Twitter. It'll work for your blog posts. It'll work for, you know, your Tumblr account. You name it, okay? So some things like metrics can uh, give you basically the overview of all of them. So keep that one in mind. But yes, some of the other best practices uh, on the other platforms differ. Um, and frankly, be that's because guess what? The longest video you can have in, oh, let's say Instagram is a minute long. The longest video you can have in YouTube is as long as you want to make it. So again, different practices for different situations. Okay, that's all the time we have today, and a big thank you to Greg Jarbo. Check out Greg's writing at Tubular Insights, the SEM post, inked, I-N-K-E-D, right? Right, that's correct. Okay, well, it's worthwhile to go back and check out those posts from a lot of wisdom in there, as well as Greg's books, YouTube and Video Marketing, an hour a day on Amazon.com. And, of course, reach out to SEO PR 
to have Greg's team assess your practices in video and content marketing. I'm your host, Michael Stebbins, and you've been listening to the OMCP Online Marketing Best Practices Podcast. OMCP maintains the industry certification standards for online marketing in cooperation with industry leaders just like Greg. Join us inside of OMCP to maintain your certification, get special offers, and join other certified professionals or universities and training programs that value the OMCP standards. Network with other certified professionals or trainers while helping OMCP maintain an excellent standard. Membership is only $40 each year, so we'll see you inside of OMCP as a certified professional where we'll be learning and improving our professional careers and teams together.